What's up, friends? Brandon Short here with... Brian Hopkins. Nice to see you. And today, we invite you to listen in on our very first Bayside Folsom Peace podcast, where Brian and I have a conversation with four of our core leaders at the church. Amazing people. About what it looks like to break peace and the temptation we have at times to live the motto, me at all cost. Watch this. All right, here we are, guys. Episode one of the Peace Podcast Come on. with our new series. We're so excited about it. Like, I, I can't believe that we are getting to do this series right now, history of our church for our people in our city. And when we were just sitting around talking and saying who should be in this first conversation about breaking peace, which we'll get to in a minute, we thought of all of your names. So obviously, uh, Brandon Short, pastor at Bayside Folsom. Brian Hopkins, I work with him, Bayside Folsom. Again, and he says that every time. He's always saying that. <laughs> I said I, with today. You say, you I did. said with. You didn't say the, I said with. He didn't do the intern thing today. <laughs> I love that. But introduce introduce yourselves. Okay, this is so cool. So my name is Jake. I'm the student pastor at Bayside Folsom. We're one of the student pastors. I work with high schoolers. And I'm so honored that you thought, peacebreakers, let's get Jake here. Yeah, I was thinking, like, who <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. has broken more peace than anybody else? You were my first thought. How long have you been on the team, Jake? Uh, I've been here, let's say, let's say almost two years. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Amazing. It's wild. It feels like that's so a glad to short have amount you. of time. It feels like you've been here a lot longer than that. I was going to say it was longer than that. Yeah. That's awesome. Which I like. Well, thanks for being here to break, break peace. peace. Yep. <laughs> Done. Yeah, t having to tell high schoolers no is a way of breaking peace. <laughs> um, but my name is Rachel Annis. I'm also one of the student pastors at Bayside Folsom. Yes. I work with middle school and high school, so I get sixth through twelfth grade. It's yeah. a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been here, Rachel? Um, a little over a year. Amazing. A little over a does year. it feel longer? It does. Yeah. yeah. It feels like home. <laughs> I love and I'm Nicole Hoover. I am volunteer in many ways, shapes, and forms. I am part of the women's leadership team doing the mentorship program yeah. and I volunteer on the worship team. Indeed. Yeah. And breakaway. And breakaway. And events. I mean yeah. there's not there's not a there's not a like a piece of our model that you don't touch in some way. A little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And you have a massive milestone coming very soon. What is it? What have you been working I on? I do. I've been working on my Bachelor of Arts in Christian Studies. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Done in? Done at the end of May. Yes. Yay. Cannot right come soon enough. Great job. <laughs> I love that. Way to go. Yeah. And I'm Misun McElreevy, and I'm the Women's Ministry Lead here at Folsom. And, um, and it has been an amazing um, privilege and opportunity. Been in this role for how long? Um, for five months. Yeah, actually. But part of our church for how long? For seven years. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's been great. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It is. We're so glad to have Thank you. you. Uh, Thank you. Overwhelmingly. <laughs> so let let's anchor this conversation. In Set this it up. Story exactly. Like so, we're doing this series on peace and specifically the outworking of peace. So doing our sound mind series in the summer, Jesus and mental health, a lot of internal peace conversations. Yeah and things that we're all wrestling with and <clears throat> the parameter. It was a beautiful series. I really think maybe one of the most important series I've ever been a part of in any church in, in my life. And this series then being for our church specifically on the outworking of peace. And we've anchored that in the story in the parable of the Good Samaritan and said there's three figures 
in any story of peace, that there's those who break peace, there's those who are perception-driven, that there's a little fakery, hypocrisy as it pertains to the peace, and then there's those who go about actually working to make peace. So this episode, along with Sermon 1 on breaking peace, so anchoring in the story, there's a man walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, and robbers come, strip him, beat him, take his possessions, leave him half dead on the side of the road to die and leave him there. And we said this in the sermon that there's these huge extreme examples, and we can talk about some of those if we so wish, but extreme examples of peace breaking we see in the world. Cruel acts of dignity stripping, like humanity, non-care, like it, we said the motto of a peacebreaker is me at all costs. Mm-hmm. Whatever serves me mm-hmm. at all costs, whatever serves mine at all costs, even if it, again, strips the dignity, is against the image of God, is against the law, all of the other things. And yet, if we only look at the extreme examples, which we need to, there's an importance of that and acknowledging and then, again, fighting to make peace. We could use those extreme examples to cover up the very subtle ways that all of us participate in breaking peace. Um, little things that take away from dignity and honor of others, like if the Bible goes as far out to say, outdo one another in giving others mm-hmm. honor, then the peace breaking is the far other side, yeah. whether it's like taking a jab at someone's insecurities, making a joke at someone's expense. I'll probably talk on this podcast about the great meme war of 2020 and how we use social media but there's just so many ways that can subtly break peace and the line i'd like to frame here um for our conversation is this that that guy who's walking down the road i sincerely think can buy new clothes again pending he lives and he does we know how the story ends he can buy new clothes again he can probably replace the things that were stolen and maybe be able to go back to work like those things are it's horrible what happened, yet replaceable things. And we said uh, in Brian and I's message that often the most dastardly way to break peace is to steal someone's peace of mind. Yeah. For that's yeah. much harder to get back than yeah. close. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's start there. Let's just start in this idea of there's these extreme examples and there's these small examples, but all of the things that go on in our world and our own personal lives that subtly or very forwardly break peace. Um, there have been a lot of moments of peace breaking in my life, and I think all of us can say the same thing. Am I supposed to hold this up here? Yep. <laughs> yeah, <that's great. laughs> um, and I would say one of the more subtle ways that I definitely break peace yeah. is with my family. Yeah. When I feel like, well, when really they need um, like comfort and encouragement, yeah. I will correct instead. Yeah. And so that is a way that I can definitely break peace within my own family. Um, the By the way, anyone else? I well, just want to, like, yeah. my, my hand just, up. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really when I thought about it, um, the, the person that I found that I break peace the most with is actually myself. Mm. Um, and, and that is mainly with forgetting or not believing um, my primary relationship with God as a child of God. Wow. Yes. And really, um, when I'm breaking peace with myself, it bleeds into other relationships. Yeah. So. Yeah. I love that. I've heard uh, one of my favorite writers says that when it comes to a relationship with God, understanding that you are a child changes the way we relate to God, 
changes the way we relate to others yeah. and then foundationally changes the way we relate to ourselves yeah so i love what you're saying in that that yeah like if when we start living even in the subtle moments outside of the safety and the rootedness of that identity you're right like we often do break break the peace with us right. mm -hmm. yeah. tease that out would you a little bit more like what what, what does that actually look like yeah usually? um well for example um for me, understanding like those, those identifying truths, like yeah. I'm chosen and blessed and all of those others, yeah. um, they hold very little significance if I don't understand first that those identifying truths is as a result of my relationship with God as a child, yeah. as a daughter of God. Yeah. Um, so if I'm feeling um, unworthy or yeah. not accepted, yeah. then I will tend to be critical of other people. Yeah. And that will come through in maybe my words, um, yeah. the correcting, 1, for example. Yeah. yeah. So, Misa, to kind of add on to that a little bit, when I love how you said that uh, when we break peace within ourselves, it affects our relationships. And my mind went to like almost thinking how, oh, I wonder if their perception of me is the same as how I view me. Mm. Like if I wake up and I don't see myself as beautiful, and I walk out into the kitchen, my first thought is, oh, my husband probably doesn't think I'm beautiful either, mm -hmm. which is completely untrue. Yeah. And um, and so it trying to finish, think how to finish this thought, but almost how the we almost make the peace broken, even when it's really not like in our external relationships, but the internal relationship totally. tells us that the peace yeah. is broken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's like having to grab that thought and almost like break it ourselves first totally <laughs> so yeah. the peace doesn't become broken in the relationship yeah i agree and i think there's that element there of when um you know we're to love god and then love our neighbor as ourself mm -hmm. if we can't yeah. understand yeah. who god says we are and we can't fully grasp that we're children of god loved by god yeah. um first then it's once again it, it kind of falls under that umbrella of how can I love my neighbor yeah. if I'm not understanding those truths myself. Yep. Yes. And a big key to remember to this, like being a child of God is that we have done nothing. In fact, we've probably done things against that to deserve that identity right. and to de deserve that belonging. Right. Um, yeah. We have done nothing to earn it. It just is because of who God is, yeah, not yeah. because of who we are. Right. So when it goes to extending to others, the same goes for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so often internally for myself, I am always striving and trying to earn yeah. God's approval or other people's approval. And that most definitely bleeds into other relationships, whether it be my kid or my husband or friendships or people that I'm even just starting to get to know. Right. I'm looking at them of, are you, are you doing enough? Mm -hmm. Are you, where, where are your flaws? Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to, you know, use that as Exploit. an excuse yeah. not to cover you in love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Right. I love this the direction we've headed with it. Cause it's hard. It's hard to <laughs> think. That the guy who beats this guy up and leaves him half dead on the side of the road would do so if he was anchored in identity of being loved <laughs> as a child of God. Like, it's hard to think that he would then make the very next move to make this uh, a thing. I, I've shared this with some of you. I had a moment in prayer like four years ago where I, uh, I was being very hard 
on me. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where, and again, I don't, I don't say this a lot, but at this moment I wrote it down. I just felt the impression on my heart in that moment in prayer was God saying, just so we're clear, I would never talk to you like this. Yeah, no kidding. Like, mm-hmm. you are far yep. less kind yep. than me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, on the yes, fool and Rachel, the 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 fact that it leaks into every every other relationship yeah. that it starts. Yeah, I'm so glad it started like this. We left it open, a two second <laughs> moment of silence on who was going to go first, and then. Ah, Lisa, I love that you took it that way. Anything else on the personal side of that? Well, I think to kind of what you said of how, like, well, the guy that probably robbed and beat him probably wasn't necessarily peace-breaking because of something in him. But then I think about, like, when we talk to our students or or kids about bullying and how we tell them, like, hurt people hurt people. And so it almost makes me think of sometimes the hurt within us leads to the insecurity that then does lead to that extreme if it goes um, unhealed for too long. That's where my mind kind of goes with it a little bit. Well said. So insightful. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody just woke up one day and became a robber on the Jericho road that left people naked and half dead. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of other woundedness that never got healed for sure. Yeah. Anything else on the personal breaking peace with yourself topic if not we can get into the dastardly stories of how you've broken peace with others <laughs> well, I was thinking about I was thinking about this too see it's an embryonic thought so it may not go anywhere but embryonic. yeah there's there's uh, like sins of commission they say mm-hmm. and sins of omission mm-hmm. right so you know there's the intended I actually did this right the robbers went and beat the guy that that's commission right yeah. but where where is it that I we everyone just omits stuff that actually breaks peace yeah is it in the is it in the place and again it's pretty embryonic but is it in the places and spaces where uh, we refuse to like see people Right, where, where we like look past, look through, look by. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe sometimes on accident, but maybe sometimes like ah, I'm just doing my thing yeah. here and not seeing yeah. people. I don't know if that goes anywhere, but no, it works good. I mean, I think that's awesome because it, that's still me at all costs. Yeah, it's just less uh, extreme yeah. in social media like headline, but it's still. I had a pastor. It was a pastor in New York say to me one time he goes you know that whole uh least of these things yeah and i said yeah he goes we tend to see least of these as a certain thing we kind of box what that means yes and he goes i think it changes your entire life if you see that there's the there's a least of these in every room absolutely one thousand it's not just a global societal idea of who's the least in the Cities like I think it changed your entire life of saying who's the overlooked yep. in the room. Yeah. Who's the mist that's present? And again, yes, we. Yeah, I, I do th- tend to think in my own life when I miss that person in the room, it is often because I'm more concerned with what am I going to say next? Yeah. What am I going to do next? How yep. am I going to move something forward? What's now? my image but it's next? Still on me. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's still on me. That's great. That you're afraid to be uncomfortable we talk about this too with our leaders that like it's okay to get 
uncomfortable because going up and talking to a new student doesn't like it's so uncomfortable you're like what do I say what do I what do I ask students don't necessarily ask you questions back because they don't really want to get to know you right (laughs) they're like cool you're here um but like as a leader as a student pastor like having to be uncomfortable for the comfort of someone else yeah is like a big step out of our comfort zones out of a leader's comfort zone and so it's it's weird to think that like not stepping out of your comfort zone is slightly breaking peace in a way Mm. like like how you were saying like missing the overlooked person in the room just because i'm afraid that like oh what if this conversation gets awkward you know or i'm like driving out of the grocery store and i see someone who has a cardboard sign on the side of the road and i think to myself like oh like i want to buy a coffee later so i won't give that like even though i'm not interacting with that person that's still breaking peace so because i feel like choosing not to further peace is also breaking peace that's that a brilliant sense. insight i don't know but yeah i do know actually like, <laughs> that's a thousand right there that's a thousand right there i love that i saw you guys the other day i just have to point this out whether it makes the cut we'll see but i love that you guys had college students role-playing interaction <laughs> with students yeah. because that interaction is so awkward yeah. I had to walk in the door pretending to be a student so that their guys <laughs> could learn to talk to me <laughs> how'd that, that go hilarious. they were it was tough yeah <laughs> no name used. tough is an understatement but it was it was it, it is it's so awkward just this idea that there could be someone who feels left out yeah yeah uh, like I yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you were saying. It's it's the least of these in a situation. Yes. And it's so hard. I don't want to equate, like, when I think of least of these, I think of really marginalized people. Right. And now I'm talking about it's a student who's in the room who feels a little bit like, it's hard to equate those things. Yeah. But the idea that for us to see someone who can be in a space and be so yeah. uncomfortable, and especially we're talking in church where like we talk about Folsom like yeah, you're yeah. part of the Folsom fam yeah. and we're and I'm so we're so cognizant that we don't want it to be a thing that we just say yeah because then it cheapens what we're saying we want it yeah. to be something that people feel yeah. when they walk in so that's why we're doing that like hey let's practice it sometimes it's really awkward to have yeah. a conversation so with someone good. who just walked in the door so good. but like that effort to make peace because it's it's that person came in assuming this is a peaceful place when I come into a church I come into Bayside Folsom and peace is immediately broken if you walk in and yeah. nobody wants anything to do with you. Yeah. Like that is broken peace that has to be addressed. Yeah. I love the delineation you make there. Like it's worth saying out loud that like there are, uh, when we say least of these, it's important to say, yes, there are very real marginalized groups, people in our world. Jesus talks about prison or like yeah. we go on and he lists some really real examples. Um, and then still to your point, like having the heart of who's the person in this room that would be missed in this. Um, and I love your phrase. I, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot. I think you actually had like a cool Holy spirit moment where you just went with that and it came out of your mouth and it was perfect. I don't, I, I, if you remember how you said it, but it was something like our efforts. Nope. It was something about was not something, furthering sorry, peace. I'll try to remember I said it. Yes. But it was something along the lines of like us choosing not to further peace yes. is still broken peace. That's a good yeah. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. That's the pull quote right there. Yeah, <laughs> put that on the thread, the the tagline for the video. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Um, anything else on that? Before I ask you the 
harder question. Oh, I'm ready for the juicy stories. So, <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> so, so something that I want to add in this, you know, subtle omission, yeah. you know, something that's actually pretty prevalent in our culture yeah. and actually can kind of get some pats on the back is sarcasm. Ooh. Oh. And yeah. what you said I mean, at the beginning. Who has the spiritual gift of sarcasm? The, Anyone? Oh, yeah. Right here. Yeah. 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 And uh, jokes at someone else's expense. Yeah. You know, it's, I think to a certain extent, we all want to be, uh, we all want to belong. We all want yeah. a little bit of attention. Yeah. We want, um, a lot of us, maybe just me, I want to be funny. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Levity is a great thing yeah. sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Um, but not being cognizant of who's in the room or what trauma is in the room yeah. and what you're saying and how it can hit hard, mm -hmm. harder than you anticipate. Is it, is it worth it? Yeah. it? I mean, it's never worth it. That's, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because yeah. what do they say uh, in every joke? is a little truth, mm -hmm. right? And, and so that's the piece that gets like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. the way it lands on. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And you Someone. usually made the joke to point out the little truth. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Like there's a, yes. There's a, mm -hmm. there's a aim. Yeah. Sad, of, sadly, it comes up way too much in, in my household. Yeah. From me. Oh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> I'll be honest. She, she went juicy story first. Yeah. No, I feel the same Confession way. time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love Thanks some good sure. sarcasm. I would be lying. Well-timed Jake Bartowski's sarcasm. Good Jake Bartowski's sarcasm gets him in trouble. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm thinking of peace-breaking stories, and like we'll get to like the dirty, juicy ones. But like that feels like it feels like it's so far because I've like trained myself to go. Oh, I would never do that. Not right. Jake. But then I know, like when we talk sarcasm, that's the stuff I'll do every day. And I don't realize how much it breaks peace. And like, uh, like I go back to the one sarc sarcastic thing that I would say to Becca, my wife, all the time until she finally was like, Jake, that really hurts. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to notice yeah. it. But I would always make it, it goes back to the sins of omission, like not recognizing what she's done. Uh, something would happen, maybe I, I like I'd be home and there'd be laundry in the dryer. And it'd come up and you know, that's like, that's, that's marriage 101, arguing about who's doing the laundry, who's doing the dishes. <laughs> And uh, it won't get done, and something gets said, and my joke was always, "That's okay. I didn't expect much from you." Oh! And, oh. Nobody oh. laughs. You wow. just have a deep oh. Yikes! Yeah, yeah no, it was terrible, and, and it was meant to be a joke. Like that's okay. You didn't have to do that, but it was my sarcasm that was just like, "That's okay. You're not that great of a wife. I didn't think you'd do it anyway." You know? Oh my god! Which was me trying to lighten the mood, but like obviously was the worst thing. And I would make that joke all the time. And now it's like, it is the most shameful of jokes that I've ever made in my marriage. <laughs> you didn't do that very long though, did you? I mean, it took well, a little while to stop. It took a little while to stop. We talked about I looked at it for a few months, maybe. <laughs> I wish it was only a few months. You know? So you know what I have said to my husband when when he's I'm loving where been this a, little, a little spicy. I will say, well, because the typical response is, oh, come on, it's just a joke. It's mm. it's just a joke. And my response is, do you see me laughing? Oh. Do you see me laughing? Because honestly, are you telling the joke for you? 
or are you telling it Ooh. for others? Because that'll definitely and change what you say. And he knows he's busted. When you say that, he's like, oh, yes. I felt yes. busted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you said that. You <laughs> see you laughing. Yeah. Yeah. But thankfully, you know, we've got that yeah. that camaraderie or whatever. Right. Where we look yeah. at each other and we both know. Yeah. And we just laugh. But it's yeah. amazing how we can justify it for a really long time, oh. even. Right. And how even if it's said or called out, it's something that we will continue. Yep. Because I don't know, does it satisfy something within us? Like yeah. we have to say it, oh, absolutely. right? Yeah. Um, until we have this recognition where, wow, I'm I'm actually really hurting somebody. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. it's deeper than just what I'm trying to convey. You yeah. Know? yeah. So yeah. Well, and maybe this is a little bit of a bunny trail, but if you notice yourself having this habit of making these little undercut remarks mm -hmm. these sarcastic remarks and as you said brian there's always a little bit of truth in there yeah. like you got to pay attention to that mm -hmm. stuff like Absolutely. is there something lying underneath the surface there that actually needs to be dealt with Absolutely. right that you are actually breaking peace by not confronting the issue yeah yeah, yeah by not having the harder conversation yeah. mm -hmm. in a hard yet loving manner right yeah. right that you're just coping through comedy. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. And a thousand percent, we know that there's, oh, we call it beneath the waterline, you know? The yeah. iceberg is always way bigger beneath the waterline than yes. above the waterline. <laughs> so this is seen, but then, mm -hmm. oh gosh, there's a mammoth down there. Right, back to Mison's very first comment. It, it, yes. Yeah. Like, yes, that is still, yeah, the outward. The story behind the story. Internal, right. yeah, under the surface stuff. Jake, you did such a bold thing by going first with your peace-breaking story. <laughs> Would you also be willing to go second and tell the other one we talked about? Oh my gosh, okay, so we're- <laughs> Go Jake. It's so good. It, it's it's good job. So it's good. so good to laugh at and know it is like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, so when you said, so you you prefaced the story with, hey, we're looking at uh, the guy who in, in the, the parable of the Good Samaritan is literally left naked and dead. And right. they're like, yeah, which one of you guys did something that's comparable to that? And I'm like, I'd never leave anyone naked or dead, but I, I did. <laughs> I mean, I but. came as close as I could, could possibly be. Jail. So in high school, here we go. It in was high as school, close as they could possibly be. <laughs> in high school, and I'm glad I work with high schoolers now. Um, in high school, I went to my junior prom with a girl that I actually met on a mission trip. She uh, did not go to our church. A friend invites her on a mission trip, and I, you know, I got the hots for her. I think she's cute. This yes. is great. We get back home, and I go, I'm, 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 yeah, right. That's how cool I am. I go, I'm gonna take so cool. this girl, and we'll we'll leave her nameless right now. I'm gonna take this girl, it's not Becca, to junior prom. So I invited her to prom. This is great. We're at prom. She doesn't go to my school. Um, she's hanging out, and suddenly, I don't know what it is. I just decide I'm not that into her anymore. In the middle of prom. Ooh. But that's, oh gosh, you're already cringing. And I we go, that's are. fine. We're hanging out. You know, a teenager, right? Post. Like stuff changes all the time. It does, it does. My body's changing. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> everything's, everything's changing. Okay, it's not there yet. So obviously I'm hiding it because, you know, I'm not a peace breaker. I'm going to be polite and yes. kind and everything. And after junior prom, uh, we go to a party that's after yeah. after the dance. And we're there. And this is this is my pre-Christian days. This is, yeah. I'm, I'm at a party I shouldn't be at. And... I'm very comfortable being there, but my date is not comfortable being there. She does not want to be there. The and girl who you met the, on a mission trip. The girl trip who I met, yeah, yeah. Who now I brought, yeah. She's not comfortable. 
And I, oh, and so uh, <laughs> clearly I'm like, I can't get out of this. So I make the, uh, the bold move is to go, oh, if you're not comfortable, like I wanna, I wanna fix this, I wanna help you. And I give her my car keys and I say, you can take my car home, I'll find my own ride. And so she <laughs> drives herself home from junior prom. I stay at the party, collect my car the next day. And uh, I find out that she was really hoping that I was gonna be her first kiss that night. Oh! So she went from those high expectations to my Drive prom yourself date. Home. Drive yourself home. However, maybe in hindsight, she's glad you weren't. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure she's glad. I isn't isn't it true? The real justice of that story is you had to go to her house the next day <laughs> to collect your car. Your car. No. <laughs> oh, this will teach girl. you. Yeah. So to the, to this day, she does not remember me fondly. Oh, <laughs> you know what? There's no condemnation for those in Christ. Wow. <laughs> and you have Unless you did, that. <laughs> you did that. <laughs> no, dude. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, I mean, I told Jake, Jake and I were talking about this yesterday before the shoot. He tells me I had a story. And then, like, honestly, get personal on this, too. I said this on one, in one of the three sermons. I actually didn't say it in all of them. Like some of my biggest regrets in life, uh, you guys know some of my story, but some of my biggest regrets in life, I've never robbed anyone, but I've been in a lot of fights. Yeah. And the thing about what fighting does like to your neurosensory system is no matter how long it's been since you fought, you can kind of feel what fighting was like. Um, like the trauma in your own body, the trauma that inflicts in other people's like, it's just, it, I don't know how to, it, your adrenaline is yeah. so high. Yeah. And everything is so, it's almost like time kind of can slow down, but it's all happening at once. And, and you still remember how taking a punch felt and landing a punch feel. But like some of my greatest regrets in life. Um, and I, I, I say that on purpose. I say regrets on purpose. You know those like cute little Pinterest boards of like, no regrets. It made you who you are today. I'm like, I can be I actually have some. For what God has turned some stuff yeah. into. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if I could go back and change it, you I would. would. Absolutely. Right. Um, yeah. I would go back and not hurt some people that I hurt and put myself in situations where I got hurt by people who, at the core of who they were, wouldn't have wanted to hurt me. Like, mm. um, there was some real, like, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I've, I've broken I've broken some peace in the subtle ways for sure every day. But yeah, that's just a on the on the sake of telling stories. Like I just I, I still feel that. I think I told you guys one time I went home, um, was going through a Bojangles drive-through. Anybody ever been to Bojangles but me? Dude, no. so what is Asian, that? <laughs> Asian fried chicken fast food, and I'm going through there. And so if Chick-fil-A is God's chicken, yeah. Bojangles is the yeah. opposite. No, no, it's next in line. No, it's it the John like the Popeyes. Baptist oh, chicken. Okay. All right, all right. Um, but it was so funny. I'm in the drive-thru and a guy named DL, like initials obviously, but DL, um, well, his last name was in the drive-thru working it. And I hadn't seen him in like, let's say 12 years. This is adult life. Mm. And he looks at me and he goes, what are you doing now? I told him I was pastor in the church. And he looks at me and he goes, that's why I don't go to church. Whoa. And I said, huh? And he goes, well, they let people like Oh, jeez. After what I was around you for? 
and he saw those earlier days. Sorry. So like, I just, I, I, I can still feel, and I did like my own agency, like we were in some spaces that shouldn't have been in and doing some stuff we shouldn't have done. But like, I, I still think about that. Like I, we always tell the good Samaritan story through the, uh, through the lens of the per and we should like obviously in god's going to reveal himself jesus the samaritan like there's so much going on in that story it's beautiful and still to your point at the very beginning me son there's still a robber that had a story that meant he became what he was at least in that moment yeah, yeah. I, I i can i can empathize may not be but i can relate yeah i can relate to some of that side of the story any others on just like personal stories of peace, breaking, prom, sending, home, Uber, <laughs> yourself, fight with people stories? I'll take us back to uh, high school, Rachel. Yeah. Um, By we... the way, it was high school me. <laughs> just right. for our church watching. So you're saying <laughs> high schoolers. Um, and this kind of goes back to like what we were talking about with joking and breaking peace and stuff like that. Um, but I think when you talked about Okay, think of a story in your life where you've broken peace. This is like the most prominent one in my mind because I broke peace, but I think the part that hits me is that I wasn't expecting to break the peace mm. when I did it. And I feel like that's a lot of, that can be a lot of our peace breaking. But um, to set the scene for it, I was on the dance team in high school and we had picture day. And um, what happened was we got out of school at 2.30, but pictures weren't until like four o'clock. And so a lot of us were just waiting around at school, waiting for pictures to happen, but a few, few of the girls went home. And so those of us that stayed were kind of just sitting around a table in our quad area, just talking. And we came up with this idea to text our friend that uh, on the dance team, that pictures actually got moved up earlier and they weren't at four, they were at like three. And so she was missing pictures. Our coach was mad at her and she was gonna be in big trouble. And our coach was always very like, you're on time for everything. If you're not, you're running laps, you're on, you're out of stuff. Like it was, uh, being late was <laughs> not something you would do. Um, so we decided to text our friend and she's, and she's texting back with me. I'm the one that texted her. And she's like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, like you gotta hurry up and get over here. She lives like right down the street. And so I was like, she's probably just racing over. And so we're sitting there and like 10 minutes go by. And then I see her and her mom just like walking through the other side of the quad. Oh. And like all the arms are crossed. They look upset. Like my friend's eyes like are visibly red. And we and I just watched them like walk into our classroom. All of us are still outside. And obviously pictures aren't happening. Oh and uh, like, it took months for that friend to like to speak to me like peace was broken and I apologized again and again I was like I'm so sorry and uh she was saying how like her mom had to leave work she was a real estate agent so she had to miss a showing so she was like oh, missing commission and her mom like yelled at her in the car for not knowing like what the actual time was and so I caused so much like conflict between her and her mom and it took months for like us to be friends again after so much apologizing and it was one of those things where I didn't intend for it to break peace. I didn't intend for it to cause so much conflict, but it did. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to think back on how like, we don't expect that our actions or our words will hurt people, but they end up doing it sometimes. Yeah. Not all raises to the, glo the, the global level. Again, I just think it's, we'd be remiss if we didn't hit this. Like you're dealing with a story biblically of these two groups. Yeah of different Greek ethna, like these two different people groups of Samaritans and 
the, the children of God, Jews, Jerusalem, all this stuff, who hate each other. Like, this is pure, unadulterated hatred. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a middle ground. Like, if you're trying to get to Jerusalem, a lot of times, if it, oh, we're talking about the woman at the well, Samaria, you would literally walk around a dried-out riverbed and go around and not even go through the town, so you're not on the other side of town where those people are. Um, Dating, by the way, to 721 BC. BC. Right? Yeah. This goes back. Yeah. <laughs> And it, that actually is a really cool like ad, right? Because this is like your mom's grandma, yes. grandma's grandma yes. had this ha- like yes. between these two groups. Yep. So then Jesus sets up this super provocative story to a bunch of one group listening about the other guy being the hero who's from the other group yep. that they hate. Yeah. Like it is. Again, we can we can sanitize this a little bit in the messages where we haven't, but like it, it's. It, it's one of the most provocative moments, like in, in my reading of anything Jesus says, it's one of the most provocative things he says mm-hmm. because of the history mm-hmm. at play. And then, um, yeah, so then he sets up the Levites and priest and their roles in it, and he just, he, he does something very, very pointed in this. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> Brian and I have walked that, well, not walked literally the entire thing, but Brian and I have gone from Jerusalem to Jericho, Jericho to Jerusalem together. Still a dice. Maybe in a stage bus. Maybe in a, a coach bus. bus. We may not have walked. <laughs> uh, or there, nobody put us on a donkey or anything. But uh, we may or may not have been in a very large air-conditioned charter bus. And we were going from place to place. That's still a very dicey place in our world. But it makes you at least question, um, again, without getting too far into whatever, but, like, what are the examples in the world of peace-breaking in these ways? Like... We obviously, some of the like toss up ones that are very clear and prevalent in our mind, especially where we live. Like Brian gave a beautiful, probably will again in this podcast, gave a beautiful example of Rosa Parks yeah. breaking peace in a way that was needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was, uh, there are moments that it is appropriate yeah. that actually, not, and not in a way that's the story, not in a way that's like harming others, beating others up, leaving, but in a yeah. way that like, People would say, keep peace. And she's like, uh, no, you. what you're defining as peace isn't peace. That's exactly right. It's actually not even peace. It's not right? peace. It's, it's a something quite keep other. Keep the status quo, Precisely. even if it's oppressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so are there just examples in the world or in history or whatever that like when you see that story and the dynamics at play in it that come up for you? I don't know that the story comes up, but I think even just going back to describing why that was not keeping peace, it goes back to the tagline, uh, peacebreaker is me at all costs. And so this was peace for some. This was don't interrupt the peace because this is peaceful for me and I like the way it's going. Keep Uh, the peace. It's a great tie-in. Which was very, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's peace-breaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is me at all costs. And in that situation, Rosa Parks is saying it's not, yeah. Making peace is is peaceful for all, which is so hard to say, peace for all, but rather than peace for just some, peace for just you, peace is about us being able to get along together. Right? Yeah, 100%. Piggybacking on that, it's that me at all cost in that kind of scenario is my experience is higher or more truthful or more accurate than your experience. Right, 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 right. Um, and so immediately you 
close your ears, like you shut them down and you stop listening to the other person. And it's not one person is more right than another. It's, it is the collective experience that is the full truth. And so, yeah, in one little aspect of the world, things may have become more peaceful, but for others, they are mm -hmm. still hurting. They are still very much 100% experiencing oppression on micro levels. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. And we have to not give up on listening. Like the biggest form of peacemaking and love is to be quiet and listen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love how you said we can't give up listening yeah because i think it's so easy that like when the news headline changes just to forget like what's happening or what's continues to happen um and so I, I love how you said that like you have to keep listening even if it's in like just the like one-on-one -on -one relationship yeah for sure and the hard thing about the news headline is like we get so much news coming our way that we were never meant to intake all of that no like way. one person is not meant you can't to it. fix all of the problems no. or even global problems um but as you said earlier look at the room like look at the people in your sphere at yeah. that moment who is the least of these yeah. and are you willing to get uncomfortable are you willing to listen yeah um and and not just oh are they talking let me listen to them but make the effort to to ask them about themselves mm -hmm. to ask those prodding questions to mm -hmm. get them to feel like they have someone safe enough to be vulnerable and talk mm -hmm. about their experience yeah and i think also going back to what you were saying with the news stories or the headlines it's fragmented stories mm -hmm. we're not we're seeing like a little snapshot versus the whole story. And I think sometimes we're so used to kind of clinging on to those headlines and then creating our own stories versus getting uncomfortable enough to get into somebody else's space or leaving my own unconscious bias about a people group or a, yeah. not even a people group, a subgroup. Yeah, sure. um, maybe even within our church or something like that. Uh, sure. Um, or a different um, ethnicity. Sure. Being ethnic myself right yeah yeah um and so i think when we're when we can get past that level of discomfort um you know obviously we cross over into the peacemaking but if we stay there we continue to peace break yeah. and we live in our assumptions yeah live hey, it's so good say it again so good continue to live in our assumptions yeah yeah i uh, i had a mentor Oh, I first got into ministry, way way young and way yeah. Did me a single qualification for the role like this. <laughs> that can be true. No, it did. I mean, well, my <laughs> first role. I mean, twenty one, married three months, and literally didn't have a single qualifying. I mean, you love Jesus, right? Was just... That wasn't a qualifying piece for that. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> no, I did. I did love See, Jesus. Yes. That a growing relationship with the Lord, but I would never forget the first boss I ever worked for. Uh, amazing, because I had very little experience, and he had done everything. Had planted a church, pastor a church, and actually into publishing, became the vice president of Lifeway. Like he'd done yeah. some things, 
and he gave me a task one day and I came back uh, to him and said, here's how I'm going to solve the task. Here, here's how I'm going to scale the heart of the task. This is the team I'm going to put around it. This is the system I'm going to put in place. And this is how we can run this thing like this for ongoing. And I'm thinking I'm going to impress him to death. I'm like, I have literally scaled. Well, sounds like you were going to. I mean, this is I'm amazing. Like, I'm going to scale this four levels, talk about the infrastructure need to hold it, like who's the players. And he stops me and he goes, Brandon. I said, yeah. He goes, I asked you to hit the coffee cup. I never asked you to boil the ocean. <laughs> and I just freeze. And he said, he said crap like that a lot. And he was like, you got to bird dog that thing to the ground. I'm like, what in the flip are we talking about? What are you saying? You got to run herd on it. Run a herd to where? Like, are we, well, what am I supposed to do? But he would say that. And his point in that was that uh, you can often get less done and also be just less effective if you're trying to boil the ocean yeah if you're trying to solve the entirety of everything yeah and we talked about this a lot when we got to go to israel and jordan and all the, the different territories in the region and talk about how jesus does so much of his ministry it's something like i mean i'm gonna be off on this something like 75 percent. it then goes to jerusalem after the galilean era but like if you're talking about he does like 75 percent of what we have written within 10 miles yep a very small and it's geography. a 10 mile area that like even now there's people in the Bible that say can anything good come from a certain place yeah. and we'll go yeah. through there today and be like I kind of get what they're saying like this this, <laughs> this is the middle of nowhere like it's not you wouldn't want to live there it's barely a blip on the map you now live there. and it wasn't on the map then yeah like and Jesus spends all of this, like declaring the kingdom of God, sanctioning it in, revealing the mysteries that have been held from the past and revealing it now, teaching the ethic of the kingdom, how he treat, he does all this in this coffee cup hmm. of a place. Yeah. And the kind of ethic being peacemake in your world, like the spheres and the places that you actually yeah. dwell. Yeah. Um, and it can. It, it with holding all of the world all of the time. I said this on another episode of this podcast with some of our students that like psychologists are writing on this now. You are no human psyche can hold every trauma going in on in the world at once. No and you're living in the only era where you've been asked to. Like it would take a long time for the news to get to you when the Pony Express is running but you're definitely not holding middle eastern floods and wars and this earthquake hit the in in real time yeah. in real time right. you're holding all of it and seeing it all all the time and this this weight and i'm not in any way advocating we ignore what's going on in the world just it can feel so huge mm -hmm. that we then think how can i solve this when the call is like the spaces and places in which you dwell, be those who make peace, live outside of assumptions, break cycles of as much yeah. as it's up to you. As yeah. Much, as, much as, as much as it's up to you, make peace. Yeah. As much as it's up to you, make peace. Yeah. What I can do Say it again. as much as it's up to you, you got to make the peace. But I, I think of it like when we talk about being overwhelmed with all that's yeah. wrong yeah. and it'd be so easy. I can get so overwhelmed and yes. then paralyzed and I go, well, clearly I can't make a difference. So I'm not going to do anything. Right. Yes. And I feel comfortable in that. And suddenly I'm keeping something that isn't peace 
But uh, one of my favorite things, Andy Stanley says this. He says, do do for one what you wish you could yeah. do for everyone. Yeah, that's good. Because I'm like, Say well, if I can't again. do it for every Say high schooler, <laughs> if I can't do it for every high school, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But Andy Stanley says, do yeah, for one what you wish you could do for everyone. That's great. It's important to know, like, do your part. You know, don't don't be passive or or don't give up on fighting the good fight. But understand that you are one part. Like, yeah. you've been asked to make the coffee. Yeah. Mm. You know, you've been asked to lead the students. You have not been asked to fix this massive problem. Yeah. And there's there's freedom in that. Yeah. And there's also a sense of we need everyone in this fight like it takes everyone it takes unity yeah it takes peace among believers mm -hmm. to act as the body yes to fight the good fight yeah yeah well said it's always messy the the peace breaking the status quo you know what what everyone feels like should just stay that way the rosa parks thing you know Lots of you know the story. Uh, we're adopting these four little girls from the Congo, uh, and the president of the Congo, who's a really bad man, won't let them go. Mm -hmm. Right, so he's holding them up. But, but it isn't just our four. It's really it's a thousand adopted kids, adopted by American families, mm -hmm. who he literally won't let go for uh, himself at all costs. Mm -hmm. Right, because he rather enjoys the power. There was some geopolitical stuff going on related to his upcoming election that he didn't want to hold an election. The United States was pressurizing him to actually hold that election. Obama was uh, talking in his ear, uh, you should have this election. Uh, and, and he's like, no, 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 I, I'm going to do what I want to do. So uh, we'd been battling for a couple of years to try to get our daughters home. And they're legally adopted, Congolese courts adopted. There are kids but we just can't get him out. Uh, we get a phone call from a guy one day uh, who says, uh, meet me, and, and he didn't even have a name, he just had a letter. Uh, his name was B, right, B as in boy. It was me. It was, yeah, that's exactly, that's, that's right. Said, meet me at this restaurant, at this hotel uh, in Nashville on this date at this time, and I'm gonna tell you how we're gonna get your kids out of the Congo. We live in Montana, by the way, we live nowhere near Nashville, so we're like, what, well, what, who is it? We get this random phone call that says, meet me in Nashville at this hotel this time. We're like, we're desperate. This is a movie. The, yeah, kind of. It's a, so we get on a plane, movie. we fly to Nashville, and we meet the man named B, who is, who is very well connected, and he sits across the table. And he says, look, uh, I can get your kids out. And he actually used the term, we're going to start a little underground railroad, and we're going to get all of these kids out as many of them as we can. We're gonna start with yours, are you in? And Dan and I are looking at each other, my wife, we're looking at each other like, sure, yeah, I, get, I mean, I guess, like, try this. But, but that became uh, insanely messy because we were gonna uh, undo this injustice that was happening to our kids. But then there's a bunch of people who were had kids in that group of a thousand who were like, no, 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 we, we can't do that. We shouldn't do that because it, it in their mind's eye, in, in their mind, heart, whatever, it would be in violation of what the president of the Congo was saying. And so it, it's never as neat and tight. So uh, our kids ride the Underground Railroad. He gets them out. He's well enough connected. He calls us one day and says, uh, meet me in Chicago in three days and I'll have your kids on the plane. 
by the way, changed the game. Uh, we're, we booked tickets to Chicago, and he says, oh, no, it's actually going to be Washington, D.C. We're like, oh, gosh, okay, wherever. Right? It's an underground railroad, quite um, unpredictable. So then we get them home. We, we, we mission accomplished, right? We got our daughters home. Finally, this saga is over. But then we have very, very good friends who we're in very good relationship with who say what you did was, was wrong and did crazy stuff like call the Department of Homeland Security to report that we had trafficked our kids out of the, the Congo and how, how could you? So uh, there's moments where, where you just have to go like, uh, I'm doing the thing that I think Jesus would have me to do in this moment, knowing everything I know. And, and I don't know how this works. And I guess in eternity, we'll get all this sorted out, right? But was it, was it right for us to do the thing we did? And was it right for the people who didn't ride the Underground Railroad to do the thing they did that was, uh, in their mind, across some line of peace breaking, but in our mind was breaking peace for all of the right reasons? It, it's, uh, it's just messy. Thanks for letting me uh, take you on that little wild ride right there, but kind of wild. Well, you said the story is wild in general. Like, I think you're, you do. You should have a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> At least on the Hallmark Channel. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, because you've talked about that, like, it, it, it was clear that, again, you'd done all the right things. Had you done all the legal process? Yeah. There was no, there was words being thrown around at what was happening that was that. But I think what you said there was the best. And like, peace breaking is messy. Yeah. I understand mm-hmm. where that line is. Peace faking is almost impossible to detect until you. Precisely, um, and then peacemaking is really messy. Like it would be, yeah. my uh, my therapist often says it'd be a, you see a world where it was always a perfectly bad villain. And a perfectly yes, that's exactly right. We're villains and heroes in the same story, right. frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time. in the subtle ways, mm-hmm. laundry ways, and. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that, that's amazing. 